Good day. You're tuned into the 85th edition of Free City Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Stefan Christoph. I'm recording this uh, program in Mexico City. On the episode today is going to be a conversation with Syed Hassan, uh, who is the executive director of the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change. MigrantRights.ca is their website. This is a part of a series of conversations that I'm recording here on Free City Radio uh, that are looking at uh, the state of political activism in Canada 2022, looking at the reality of a liberal minority government in the context of the pandemic and what possibilities exist for grassroots social movements to make concrete gains for uh, communities facing economic oppression, uh, systemic violence, imprisonment, um, systemic racism, uh, communities facing lack of status. Um, what are the possible responses that social movements um, can uh, mobilize, can muster in the face of a minority government and what concrete gains can be made? These are some of the questions that are explored in this interview series that I'm working on in collaboration with Breach Media. Um, so I'm going to be speaking with activists in different parts of Canada about their ideas for them to share their reflections about this political moment. This is the second interview in the series, uh, as I mentioned, with Syed Hassan from the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change. Before we heard from John Clark of the Ontario Coalition Against Poverty, this is part of a series that I'm working on with The Breach, um, which is an independent media project, which you can find online at breachmedia.ca. And uh, thank you so much for uh, listening. Again, this is the, uh, wow, well, we've already made it to the 85th edition of Free City Radio. We have two new episodes every week. And uh, here's my conversation with Syed. So I work at uh, the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change, which is uh, building a democratic organization that is led by migrant farm workers, care workers, currently former international students and undocumented people. Uh, and we also serve as the Secretariat of the Migrant Rights Network, which is a Canada-wide coalition of almost all migrant-led and migrant-allied groups in the country. Okay, um, so we live in this moment in Canada where we have this massive contradiction between liberal party rhetoric around the rights of uh, migrants, asylum seekers, immigrants, international students, and policy. Uh, this contradiction has been made quite clear. Um, so I'm wondering from your perspective, movement and organizing perspective, how important it is at this moment to sort of address that, you know, massive gap between the, the reality of migrant policy under successive liberal governments and particularly under um, Justin Trudeau's liberal government and the reality which you deal with, uh, realities of detention, deportation, um, and, and a very deep reliance on, on the precarious labor of migrant communities in Canada. So the federal government in the country has multiple, whether it's liberals or conservatives, have shifted towards the systems of permanent temporariness. You know, the vast majority of people who come into the country now do so with temporary status and therefore without rights, uh, including rights to healthcare, labor, etc. 
the federal government has, uh, you know, Trudeau, the Minister of uh, Employment, have continued to uh, espouse uh, a, a rhetoric and a promise of uh, just more fair Canada. But in fact, under this government, temporariness has only increased, uh, access to rights has only decreased. So at the same time, if we read the political moment correctly, uh, we can anticipate that there is an 18-month window of this federal liberal government uh, that would probably be replaced with a conservative government, uh, unless you know something major happens. So I think for us, the question is, what do we do on an 18-month timeline to win substantive changes uh, for our communities and build the organizational and institutional infrastructure uh, at the same time that can continue to fight in a potentially much worse political climate. Not saying Trudeau is good, but I'm not, you know, under the conservative, it is going to go bad. We can anticipate a six to eight year conservative cycle after this six or so year or eight year um, liberal cycle. So I think that is the moment we're in. And particularly with COVID-19, many of the institutions in the country have weakened uh, further. Uh, people are still learning how to be social. Uh, membership, for us, for example, our membership went into what we call a human rights catastrophe. Uh, thousands and thousands of people got sick, starved, died uh, without any income supports. Uh, and grassroots groups who turned into their focus into delivering food, arranging vaccines, uh, uh, which is a different form of muscle, uh, we're able to actually connect to migrants and working class people at a much, much broader level. Uh, but the consolidation of uh, direct services into organization and institution needs to take place. And this has happening across the sector. I mean, we can see, for example, some uh, institutions, uh, sort of the more uh, mainstream environmental uh, movement effectively, you know, um, went to sleep for a year. Uh, when did you obeyance? And I think that not everyone, but definitely. So I think we've got this small window both to win changes and build our institutions uh, and be very cognizant of the fact that right now there isn't really uh, political uh, maneuverability possible in Ottawa. You've got the Conservatives who are uh, internally fighting. You've got the NDP, which uh, I think is licking its wounds from the election, uh, and particularly in this moment with Wet'suwet'en is yet again uh, coming up against uh, really clear questioning of uh, how it is able to balance this desire from, there is a, this is a divided party. It's a party that wants to be environmentalist and wants to be pro um, large projects. And it does not know how to resolve that tension, which is actually a tension of its membership. And, um, and so we've got this moment where, and uh, frankly, it's the PPC that's rising in power. Uh, right now, if we look, uh, you know, Quebec, Ontario, uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, the majority of the country is already right-wing and conservative. Uh, and those premiers do not look like they're about to lose their seats. So in 18 months, we may have uh, federal conservative government and potentially nine provincial conservative governments, uh, which even brings the constitution uh, up as a potential as a question mark, and it allows a lot more kind of um, 
strategic moves uh, that can be made because there are not a lot of provincial elections left between now and the collapse of the minority government, which will take place as soon as the conservatives can sort their house. Uh, and as soon as the liberals give them an opportunity to do so. And in between what is uh, going to become a challenge around inflation and rising prices, uh, as well as the um, this, you know, this barrage of uh, this, you know, sort of made up labor shortage that is coming up. We are seeing these two things coming together um, very, very clearly. So, it's, so you know, I think um, it's important to note that the, the, the stressors are high. The everyone, no matter who you are, uh, you know, you're struggling every time you go to the grocery store. Inflation is at a, you know, almost like a two-decade high right now in the country is only expected to grow. So we can start, we can already start hearing this joint uh, call for austerity and more temporary labor. Um, so I think we have a very complex, but very understandable uh, moment. Uh, the 2008-2009 crisis gives us a lot to learn from uh, in the country uh, and the way in which social movement left responded or didn't. Uh, from to that crisis uh, needs to be lessons we take to heart. And so for us, that particularly means um, if I could break down the next 18 months, and I'm saying 18 months because I think that's how long it'll take. If I could break down the next 18 months, I would say spend the next six months um, really consolidating and building organizations and institutions that are uh, grounded in working class communities uh, and consolidating the membership that many people have made contact with and then spend the next 12 months uh, launching, fighting, and trying to win a fight um, that's beyond what may be possible in 12 months, but can set the terrain uh, for the potential next government. So I think often um, there is this idea that federal political circumstances and social organizing and activism you know, within the nature of movements, you know, migrant justice movements, or, you know, non-political uh, party linked uh, activism that questions some, you know, very key fundamentals about the, the legitimacy of the colonial Canadian state, you know, um, there's a disconnection. And um, I think, you know, I would love to hear what you think in regards to uh, the fact that an intervention is or is not possible, like that these networks, you know, that did respond, as you highlighted, and thank you for highlighting that, to so many, you know, urgent needs within communities impacted violently by the pandemic, um, you know, uh, communities struggling with precariousness and homelessness, uh, uh, asylum uh, seekers are working on the front lines, still facing encampments, shelters, you know. All these different Everywhere. communities were supported by activists. Um, but I'm wondering what you think about like just reckoning with this point that an intervention in terms of setting political conversation is possible. Is that the case? Do you can can you address that point? Because I think often there's a fear of recognizing the power of these movements to actually affect the discussion within, you know, quote unquote, the level of federal politics, because there's so much cynicism towards, 
the the grotesque nature of major political parties inability to actually connect with a lot of um the the needs of communities on the ground i think i would address this in a number of ways so first is you know all struggle is a calculation of your balance of forces what are the objective conditions that you finance yourself in and what are the social forces or the social conditions we can develop on our end and based on that balance you determine what you can win and the objective conditions include the political parties that are in power so there is no way to not calculate them and there is no way that the activities anybody does does not engage with the context so whether you are um working in a distribute you know in a food kitchen whether you're working in a women's shelter whether you are uh, simply trying to create a community plot garden or you are blockading uh, train tracks or um marching against um violent police murder of black youth uh at the end of the day the political context is 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 shaping each other right so what it is no surprise that following the black lives matter call uh, on the streets uh, even as far as cities municipalities and police are painting them uh, it is no surprise that the current uh, minister for i don't know what's called indigenous reconciliation mark miller uh, in his first interview after the election says that the only solution is land back uh, ideas and context so narratives actually go back and forth between social movements and political parties uh more so with the liberals and the npp but also with the conservatives they're just responding to different social movements but the narrative um flexibility or the permeability of ideas between uh those at the those in the ruling class and those in our class uh, does not necessarily mean change happens because uh successive governments are are good at using the language of whatever it is that is popular um So then the question becomes how do we change the actual material conditions of our lives uh and I think that depending on what it is that we are fighting we have to engage uh, with the political context uh because our people need healthcare tomorrow our people need money tomorrow our people need education tomorrow we cannot uh, skew the fight against the people making those laws and policies but see that's almost a two step process because it's not just a process of fighting the politicians in the general public and winning a law it's actually at the level of bureaucracy there is a deep state uh functionaries who have existed you know canada is a bureaucracy the largest employer in the country is the government but we have to understand this like this is a bureaucracy and they are the ones who actually make the decisions uh who've been making decisions for 20 25 30 years um having worked with communities in Grassy Narrows for example it was not possible to get anything from the federal government until the bureaucrats in those departments were replaced frankly or pushed aside or delegitimized and that's a very different type of work we think that raising slogans and um doing media events or you know causing a crisis of capitalism enough to make decision makers it is the implementation that is so crucial so that level of engagement is very difficult uh where institutions don't exist so even where people are making calls on to governments we don't have the capacity for the follow through 
to actually continue to engage with the bureaucracy for a decade afterwards to actually take those wins and make sure that they are not, and I put wins in quotes, uh, aren't chiseled away all the way down by the time they actually uh, become real. And that requires institutional capacity. And I think a lot of people uh, find that, oh, the federal government or the politicians are too far removed, so it's difficult. Uh, and I guess what I'm saying is like, winning against them is actually just a part of the battle and there's something much more complex uh, and difficult that comes after. So what is to be done then, I think is obviously um, under the current context with the, uh, with the configuration of um, the ruling class as it is uh, and the absence of counter institutions, it has to simultaneously be waging uh, campaigns and activities against uh, and for against the existing social status quo that is hurting our people. But in that process, building the political consciousness of people that the fight is not enough. And I mean it at every level, you know, people will go do a protest outside a members of parliament office and say, look how great we are, we did a protest. The message is not, look, we did a protest and it didn't work. So we'll have to do more. We march on the streets and the report back comes out and says, look, that's amazing. We did this, we shut down things and it's not enough, right? We are missing moments of political consciousness about what would it take to actually, um, if we think about this in a cycle, right? So 18 months, you've got a liberal party. Now, if we really, really want to win, we say, okay, then following eight years, there's going to be a conservative party, potentially six years. And then you say, okay, well, what, if, what will come after that? We can't win this next one, but in seven and a half years, will we be in a better situation to win our demands? Uh, and what would it take, right? If, for those who believe that it needs to happen through electing a political party, well, how are you going to create or take over that political party? Those who believe that no one's gonna happen through us freeing up um, vast tracts of the country from, you know, <laughs> and, and liberating them and creating some like autonomous zones, how will that happen? And I say this in this cycle because we have a clock of a few decades on the environment, um, which is enough to give us, I think, very serious pause and consideration. And I would urge everybody to make 20 year plans with not alone, but with organizations and institutions uh, and start um, actually, you know, very clearly assessing uh, how that will happen. And as far as we're concerned, that's what we're doing uh, because this is a fight of generations. Uh, and I think that we need to build the capacity of the next generation uh, to fight better and harder by, by giving institutions that are resilient and capable um, so that they have a fighting chance. Thanks so much. That was a conversation with Syed Hassan of the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change. Uh, this is part of a series of exchanges of conversations that I'm having with activists uh, that are being recorded for uh, a series that I'm working on with uh, The Breach Media. That's breachmedia.ca. I'm basically asking activists what they think about this political moment uh, in Canada 2022. What possibilities are there for social movements to make concrete gains in terms of struggles for change? So you can uh, hear the 
uh, past interviews and all the archives of Free City Radio at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. And also just uh, look us up on iTunes. We're now also on Spotify as a podcast. And as I mentioned, this is a collaboration with The Breach and uh, their website is breachmedia.ca. I'm Stefan Christoph. Thanks for tuning in to Free City Radio. You can find uh, two new episodes every week. And if you want to email me, you can anytime, stefan.christoff at gmail.com. Also, uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at Spirodon, S-P-I-R-O-D-O-N. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, to go out this week, I'm going to feature an, a piece of music that I worked on with my brother Jordan from our latest album, A Balkan Spacewalk. Uh, the project is Anarchist Mountains, and this is out on Alien Garage Records based between Tokyo, Japan, and Wisconsin. I'll talk to you soon, and take care. Take care.